Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Alright everyone, welcome to Dungeon Crawlers. We're here with author Michael Livingston, the author of The Shards of Heaven and his latest novel, The Gates of Hell. Uh, Howdy everybody. Yeah, thanks. I mean, the really cool thing is, is you're a historian and a professor of medieval literature, correct? That's correct. So, I mean, what made you go that route? <laughs> Uh, meaning uh, uh, ancient? Yeah, I mean, wh- why did you decide to become a historian and an, uh, an ancient history professor? And why aren't you Indiana <laughs> Jones? Uh, well, I do try the Indiana Jones uh, gig as much as I can. Um, not as uh, not as big a pay as you would imagine being Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, so I've gone for the more stable route of just being a, a professor. Um, you know, I, I, I never stopped wanting to learn. Uh, and that that probably sounds kind of cliche, I guess. But um, you know, I just I just want to continue learning. And being a professor, I, I get to do that. And I am literally paid um, to talk about things that I would talk about for free. And um, that's a that's a really good gig. <laughs> I'm in the wrong gig. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I should have gone that route. To be able to be paid just to talk about the stuff you love—that's awesome. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 fantastic. I mean, I, I really do, I really do love it. And uh, as I tell people, I, I don't get paid uh, to teach; I get paid to grade because um, that part sucks. But uh, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. So you teach, you grade. When do you find time to write? Because I, I, I would have to assume that takes up a majority of your time with the teaching and the grading. Yeah, um, you know, sleep is for the dead. Um, so I think that's that's probably where a lot of it comes from. Um, I, I, I'm very fortunate that um, uh, that the, the way my my brain works, I guess, is uh, I can kind of multitrack a lot, and so. Uh, a lot of my writing time is because, uh, you know, I've got an hour here, an hour there, and uh, I can just sort of sit down and do it. And, um, you know, it's, again, because it's something I love, mm-hmm. you know, so so writing The Shards of Heaven is is really not a lot different than writing my research because it's historical stuff and it's stuff I love and it's fun. And so it's, uh, I mean, it's work, but it's not work, you know what I mean? Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the Shards of Heaven and then proceed to tell us about the Gates of Hell? Yeah, sure. Um, so 
the shards of heaven is is a historical fantasy. So this is a story that's based on uh, as much as I can historical facts. Uh, as I like to say, it kind of fills in the gaps of history. Right? We know uh, we know about the Battle of Actium, for example, which is a um, uh, the, the major historical battle between the uh, Octavian, who will become Augustus Caesar, on one side, and Mark Antony, Antony and Cleopatra on the other. It's an amazing naval battle. So we know about that battle. We know about the outcome. Uh, but, you know, what's the backstory behind it? You know, what was it really like that day? And, you know, what would it be like if, say, the trident of Poseidon was real? Um, so that's kind of where I, I build things from, is those gaps in history and trying to bring together uh, mythology with history as much as I can, uh, almost as if there really is no difference, right? Mythological objects, mythological stories, are history just not as well recorded? Um, so it's a fun series to write. Wow, uh, you, you got me. You already hooked me. Uh, I love. I, I mean, I, I love ancient history, but the parts of ancient history I really love are, you know, the Roman and Greek era, uh, the Egyptian era, and the, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that goes happens over in that Mediterranean area. And you know, throw in the fact that the the trident uh, uh, Poseidon is possibly real and all that other stuff. Wow, that just yeah, dang. It, it's <laughs> well, hopefully, other people agree. Um, so, shards of heaven takes place. Um, in uh, the year around the year 32 BCE, uh, before the Common Era, so that's uh, you know the Battle of Actium, that kind of stuff, um, right up to the uh, the fall of Alexandria, and uh, and then the Gates of Hell, the sequel that that, that has just come out, um, is set uh, quite a few years later and sort of picks up the story uh, and runs with it moving forward, um, going from the Spanish frontier. Um, the war against the Cantabrians that uh, that Rome um, uh, executes, and actually Augustus Caesar leads the campaign. Uh, it's quite an interesting event, uh, and moves all the way to Carthage and uh, and beyond. So uh, it's a it's a it's kind of a wide ranging adventure, um, you know, with obviously fantastic elements, but uh, historical elements without being, uh, you know, without getting. Uh, into sort of lecture mode or anything like that. I wouldn't want people to think it's a, uh, you know, very dry uh, kind of book. It's it's very much meant to kind of, you know, put the pedal down and, and go. Um, a lot of people do kind of liken it to The Da Vinci Code or, or Indiana Jones, that kind of fusion of, of adventure and history. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and, uh, and book three is done. It's in the can. And uh, that goes to Jerusalem and Petra, so... Uh, it's it's quite a quite a wide ranging thing and and again it's just a heck of a lot of fun to to write. So when you were researching this, I'm I'm assuming this was just like easy stuff because like this is stuff you already love. But was there anything that you found that was kind of difficult for you to try to find pieces to collect for the story? Yeah, um, and it's I, I mean I'm a, I'm a medievalist so. Mm -hmm. This is um, ancient history is really like five centuries before, you know, my kind of specialty enters into the thing. And, and as a medievalist, you, you need to know a lot about the ancient world to know where the medieval world comes from, obviously. 
so I kind of knew a lot about some of this stuff, but also, you know, I didn't know a lot about, say, the the wars in uh, in Spain. Um, I, I knew that they happened, right? But I didn't know uh, a lot of the gory details of what happened, and so a lot of my research was delving into those kind of uh, specific moments and um, and the texts that were written at the time. I try to use primary sources as much as possible. And that's where a lot of the the story impetus comes from. Um, so just as, a, as an example, and I, uh, this isn't really giving anything away as far as a, a major plot element, um, in, uh, when Augustus goes to Spain, he's on this campaign, and we have these um, uh, stories about how he meets this outlaw who's... Um, uh, sort of ambushing guerrilla warfare against his Romans and absolutely demolishing them. And so he offers this huge, uh, insane ransom. Somebody bring me this guy, uh, you know, captive, dead or alive, I don't care. You know, rid me of this guy. And uh, and instead, that guy himself actually just turns up in the Roman camp and says, well, I'm here, I'm, I'm here to collect the reward. And, uh, and Augustus Caesar is so impressed by this. He's like, cool, gives him money and lets him go. Um, I didn't know that story. Uh, and it's a pretty crazy, awesome story. And so, of course, I did what I could to figure out, um, you know, what is the, what would the reality of that be like? Uh, you know, if I was going to incorporate that into this story with all these myths and things, how could I do that? And, uh, so a lot of the, a lot of the plot elements come from those kind of cool little moments of history that that are surprising to me too, and hopefully, you know, hopefully my readers find them surprising and entertaining, and and obviously with the spin I've given them, um, you know, also just like unexpected and, and exciting. Yeah, no, I, I've never heard of that story either, so that's actually kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and the one thing I do like about historical fiction is you do get that element of you know history, but at the same time your own unique twist and a story and a character that comes out of it that's exciting because there is you know like most stuff there's an element of truth in there which really resonates with us because you know we're kind of reliving that time period I guess in a way that's at least how I feel. Sure, sure, um, and it can be a lot of fun and. Uh, in, in other ways, too, I mean, so the first book, uh, Shards of Heaven, and the second book, too, a little bit, uh, takes place in ancient Alexandria. Um, well, you know, it just so happened that we didn't really have a good sense of what ancient Alexandria looked like, like a map. Yeah. Um, there were some maps of ancient Alexandria that were floating around, but they were they were totally wrong, it turned out. And so I had to do a lot of research mapping ancient Alexandria, which meant looking at all the archaeological reports we had, uh, including the fairly recent um, uh, underwater archaeology they've done, because um, a great portion of the coastline of ancient Alexandria is now in the harbor. Um, and, And looking at all that, built a new map, we were able to give that to a cartographer, and now, uh, as far as I know, the most accurate and it's a gorgeous map of ancient Alexandria is in the shards of heaven. Hmm. Uh, and we, we end up doing the same thing with a, um, with another important, 
uh, site in ancient Egypt um, in Gates of Hell. And, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where these historical facts are also um, not just fiction, but also truly historical and are percolating through to scholars, too. Um, and that's it's a, a peculiar thing for me as a scholar to be part of that, but, uh, but also very exciting. That has to be really cool, though. You're going through the process of writing the story, and then your map is the mo- probably the most accurate map of Alexandra ever. Yeah, so it was um, actually my, my uh, mock-up, uh, just myself doing it, um, which is not nearly as cool as what the uh, professional cartographer came up with that, uh, that Tor paid for. I didn't. <laughs> um, but uh, just my mock-up was actually reprinted uh, last year in... Uh, gosh, it was uh, Ancient Archaeology Today or something like that, um, where they were doing an article about ancient Alexandria because it was, you know, the most up-to-date uh, and accurate map there was. And uh, again, it has it's no comparison between that and, and the amazing work that the uh, that the illustrator did for the for the printed map in the in the novel. Yeah, it's just gorgeous. So where do you go from here? Because you, you, you got the third book. Is that the end, or is there still more stories in this series? Well, that, that's a good question. Okay. The third book is, uh, is turned in. Um, it's, it's entitled Realms of God, uh, and it's already done. So um, it should come out uh, around this time next year. Obviously, that's, that's up to tour. That's above my pay grade. Yeah. Um, but uh, it should come out next year. This whole series is is actually the backstory to a uh, to a whole nother series, and uh, I was writing that, and the um, the backstory was kind of so cumbersome, um, it was becoming like a a multi chapter info dump kind of thing, um, and I thought, God, this is just. This is so boring to tell it this way. It'd be much more exciting to tell the story as as it happens. Yeah. And so that's that's how the trilogy came to be. Um, depending on sales, obviously, um, I think there's going to be a you know question there as to whether or not we follow up with that other series. Um, if not, um, I'm probably going to uh, you know pause on on putting out that next series. Uh, and instead, move towards a, a more traditional epic fantasy okay. that's uh, that's already underway, uh, which is uh, far more uh, you know secondary world. It's not historical, um, and that's uh, that's set in a world of of dragons and and gunpowder and uh, women who can kill with a touch. Um, so it's a it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool world that I've built, and and uh, I, w- I want to play in it. That sounds really exciting, but I don't want to go to your world. Sorry. <laughs> I can just imagine, you know, some woman getting angry, touching it, you're dead. Nope. No, thank yeah. you. Yeah, well, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah. No, I, that's really cool. Um, so what do you find is kind of your process when it comes to writing? Because I know every author kind of has their own unique process. You know, I, I, I know some that have to go to Starbucks. They can't write at home or some uh, have to have a giant canister of red – licorice or red vines in front of them while they're writing what is kind of your 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 method 
you know, my method is, um, do I have time? Okay. And, uh, um, if I've got time, I, I try and do it. I, I don't have any kind of superstitions or any exact place that I, that I write. I don't think really better or worse. Um, I think most most of my writing on these novels has been on my back porch, but that's just because it's comfortable. Um, you know, my my writing process is is uh, I've got an outline, um, and you know, the readers of my books will see how um, I think how necessary that is because the uh, you know the events of history are what they are, and I can't you know I can't cross those, so that all has to be very. Um, you know, intricately bound. Um, and then on through that, I've got multiple points of view characters whose, you know, stories are welding in and out of each other across three books. So I, I have to have an outline. Yeah. And, um, you know, at that point it's just sort of sit down and, and see where the words take you. The, the outline though, again, I do have those, uh, you know, strict uh, elements, um, does nevertheless have a lot of vagueness to it. And uh, that, I think, is, at least for me, uh, a necessity because, uh, and I know I'm not alone in this, um, my characters will sometimes turn left when I wanted, wanted them to turn right. Yeah. And uh, and you got to be open to that, right? You know, that, well, you know, you were supposed to go over there. Well, okay, all right, let's see what happens when you go that way. And as long as that doesn't, you know, screw up your historical death date, yeah, um, you know, how can we make that work? And uh, and that's a lot of fun. That element of discovery, and uh, uh, you know, where where I'm discovering the plot in some respects, just as the uh, the reader is, uh, uh, and hopefully that hopefully that comes through. Now, I mean, you brought up a kind of a point there. I mean, how difficult is it? Because I know a lot of authors they do their outline, but there's so much flexibility. With their outline, but with you, there isn't. I mean, there's kind of that this event happens and there's no avoiding that. It really does happen. I mean, that's got to be kind of frustrating when your character is weaving left or when he's supposed to go right, and it's like right up to that point, you're like, you got to go back right. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it, it's, it's fascinating. I don't know. Um, I kind of don't really know what other word for it. Because that's exactly right. You, you, they have that freedom. I mean, they are, uh, you know, in that kind of weird way that we authors talk about. You know, they're real, even though they're not real. Yeah. And um, uh, so they, they kind of have this sense of their own, and they're doing something I expect, didn't expect, or saying something or whatever. But yeah, at the same time, I'm like, you know, you're Augustus Caesar, and I know the events of your life. You know. Here they are. Uh, you, you have to do this, pal. Um, and so, to some degree, you end up um, almost changing everything around that that is up to you that you you might not have expected to change in order to to still get things to fit right. Um, there's a a story. I don't I don't know if it's true or not. Um, about uh, the author James Joyce, the, the kind of famous Irish writer. Um, and when he was writing a, uh, his book called Finnegan's Wake, which if anybody's read it, I'm so sorry that you had to read it because it's, it's a headache. It's just evil. Um, and part of what's evil about it is it's full of weird gibberish all the time. 
And uh, this was, you know, modernism and fanciness and whatnot. Well, he would send his manuscript to the um, to the to the printer, and the printer would try and get the gibberish onto the the printing setup right, and of course make a a galley proof and send it back to Joyce. And if Joyce found an error, and I don't, I don't know if this is true or not, he wouldn't fix the error. He would fix. He would change all the words around it. So instead of, you know, let me make that typo correct, he would change, you know, four dozen words in order to make the typo correct, um, which, of course, is totally insane. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's a bit like what I would have to do at times where, you know, my uh, 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 a, a character has done something they kind of, you know, quote unquote, shouldn't have done. Well, now I've got to change everything around it to make that okay because that was such a strong move on the character's part. Um, in order, in order to make everything kind of work out historically, hmm. so there was a lot of juggling, um, a lot of, um, you know, sort of pacing around, like, you know, oh my God, how can I, how can I make that work? You know, there's, there's got to be some way because that's what Augustus wants to do, or whoever the character is. Yeah. Uh, but it's a lot of fun too. Cool. Besides these two books, is there any other writings that you've done, or any other stories? Uh, yeah, I published quite a bit of short fiction. Um, I was uh, actually a Writers of the Future winner back in the day. Congrats! Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, it was it was quite a remarkable time, uh, quite a cool thing. Uh, so that was a science fiction story, and I published. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the count is, uh, 15 or something, uh, short stories, uh, kind of across science fiction, fantasy, historical fiction, lots of different things there. Um, I've actually put out a, a prequel to Shards of Heaven, which is a, a short story. Uh, I put that out actually on the, the Tor Forge uh, blog, so it's free, it's online. Uh, it's actually a story about Alexander the Great. Um, that ties into the Shards mythology. Um, and I'm going to be probably in the next week or so putting that out as a, uh, as a free ebook as well for, you know, Kindles and Nooks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I, I dabble in a lot of other things as well. Um, but, uh, obviously the past couple years has been sort of all hands on deck with Shards when I've, when I've not been writing, um, you know, his, historical things, you know, professionally, yeah. you know, the academic stuff. That's a, you know, that's the other arm of the, of the brain. Nice. Now, so the book came out on November 15th. Um, it's available in ebook and hardcover right now. Is there any possibility of maybe seeing this, uh, in an audio book? Uh, well, again, that's a, a, above my pay grade. I okay. Think. Um, I I hope so. The Shards of Heaven came out in an audiobook, uh, and it's it's now available in paperback. It came out in paperback uh, a few few weeks ago, uh, and Shards had an audiobook, uh, which was which was read by uh, a guy with a, a wonderful British accent. I cannot remember his name, but wonderful British accent. And uh, I, I got to say, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, hearing, you know, my words in, uh, uh, by this by this wonderful British guy because uh, for whatever reason it just sounds better when somebody British says it, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you're Paul like, oh, Paul Hodgson. Yeah, it looks like it was Paul Hodgson. 
Ah, there you go, Paul yeah. Hodgson. Yeah, yeah, great voice, and uh, yeah, sounds so much smarter than me. So jealous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, he's not Tom Hiddleston, but he does sound like a villain, so it's outstanding. Um, so uh, I, I hope that they do one. Um, I really do because uh, these are books that are uh, that work well. I think. Uh, with with an audio experience because mm-hmm. they're they're fairly cinematic yeah uh, and those kind of books tend to, to really do well on an audio setting so uh, I really do hope so but I, I, I don't know mm, that's okay I, I hope so as well I mean, the fact that the first one's been done I'm pretty sure they're gonna follow up with the second one I mean I hope so. I would be a safe so. bet so if uh, anybody from tour is listening get on that yes tour people do it you got to make Come it happen. On. <laughs> so, the only thing that would be even more cooler is if it was turned into a graphic audio book. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. That would be awesome. Because then would, you have would, all the sound effects and every. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that'd be sweet. The the Battle of Actium, you know, it's this huge naval battle and stuff. And Yeah. The uh, waves crashing I, against the ships and swords oh, clashing. Yeah. and Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I'd be cool with it. Yeah. I mean, you know, just saying. Yep. <laughs> So, no, thanks for coming on the show tonight. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, for our listeners out there, these this sounds like a great book book series. I mean, both of these. I'm definitely going to have to go uh, – in fact, my Amazon's up right now. I'm going to have to pick up both of these books just because <laughs> I love ancient history, and this is like right up my alley. And so for those of you that love ancient history, this is perfect for you. Those that maybe don't but have an inkling towards it, pick it up. I mean, and it, it is Christmas time. Hint, hint. It is indeed. <laughs> yeah. You probably have someone time. in your family that probably likes this stuff. If they, yeah. 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 Now, the, the hope is uh, that if you like historical stuff, you're going to like it. Yeah. If you like fantasy stuff, you're going to like it. Um, if you happen to like both those stuff, you know, well then. Even you better. Know, you really better be there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, th- thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And you know, when book three comes out, we'd love to have you back on to talk about it. Hit me up. Hit me up in a year. Okay. Um, I'm I'm really anxious for it to get out there. Reviews have been good on the first two, and uh, you know, hopefully, I didn't drop the ball on the third. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm looking on Amazon right now. The second book. I mean, even though it's only been out for a couple of days, it's five stars. The first book. I mean, it's been no out way. for a while, and the first book has four stars. So, I mean, that's really amazing. Woohoo! So uh, I try I try not to look at those things much because uh, uh, I don't know what one one worries about such things. Yeah, uh, and they're not going to help you write anything either. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, exactly. I'll be sitting there like, oh, I've got to make uh, you know, Boydy eight six twenty two five. Yeah, know, <laughs> feel better about their life, and uh, that's. That's really not a, a great mindset to go into, but but yeah, that's that's that is that is great news um, that uh, that they're doing well, uh, you know, on the rankings there too. Yeah, so good stuff. I'm just gonna say, go buy it, go buy it, everyone, because I'm going to right now. <laughs> uh, with, with with all the bias in my heart, I agree. Yes. <laughs> so uh, again, yeah, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll let you go so you can enjoy the rest of your evening and go back to writing or whatever you were gonna do. And, thank, uh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a real pleasure. All right.
Hey Dungeon Crawlers fans, it's time to really pull out the stops. So, what we want to do is we want you to go like our Facebook page, like, uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, follow us on YouTube, and not only that, tell your friends about us. If there is anyone in your life, or even in at your work, that you think loves geek, loves, you know superheroes comic books gaming anything in the realm of geek tell them about our show we want to make this the number one hit show out there we want to uh let get the news out there we want our numbers to swell and we want you and everyone else to join the geek revolution so tell your friends about us like us on facebook follow us on twitter and we want to hear from you we want this the best greatest and most entertaining interactive show out there you know most podcasts are not going to be delivering what we want to deliver this next year and so far we've had a great year it's all thanks to you and we just want to keep this rolling and make things even more possible we've got some great things in the works uh coming down the pipeline with some amazing interviews and the more people we can get listening to the show liking our pages the more interest we can get and the bigger uh, more entertaining interviews we can get so please 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 help us out with this because we want to bring some amazing content to you and we can't do it without your help so with that said i'm gonna say we're out of here and catch you next time and of course join the geek revolution